the gifts that Paul identifies uh, that believers has. I'm going to, you know, the famous words that start, you know, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. And it talks about presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice unto God so that we can live out what his perfect plan, his will, for it, it is about him using us. This chapter is about God using us, all of us in this room, for his purpose. Not some, not just some people in the church have gifts. Every believer has gifting that God has put in their life. Every one of us. It's a matter of how do we discover that? And once we discover that, how do we use that? How does God use it rather in us? I'm going to pick this up in verse 3 of Romans 12. For all of this works by God. Charis is the word for uh, for grace, and charisma is the word for gift. Charismata is the plural for gifts. So there's where the word charismatic came from. It, it means gifts, it's people who are operating in spiritual gifts. So he says, by the grace charis given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you, not some of you, to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. Just like a physical body, all the different parts of us has a particular function, but it's supposed to work together. So in Christ, verse 5, he uses that analogy to say, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We are connected as believers in the Lord. We have different gifts, charismata, gifts from God, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, here he names a few. He said, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. In other words, your confidence to move in that gift. You know, you may have discovered your gift, but you're hesitant to, to walk in it because most of the time we don't want to mess up. You know, we don't want to make a mistake. And so we're, we're a little hesitant to move. Sometimes we discover God wants to use me this way, but I'm not really comfortable. I, I don't know if anybody's real comfortable when they start doing what God wants them to do. There's a little bit of a pressing going on there. And he says, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If, and there's people who have a, a gift of serving. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently with consistency. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So there's seven gifts that he mentions right there, particular gifts, seven of them prophesying, serving, teaching, encourage, giving, leading, and showing mercy. Seven gifts all together. And some of these are duplicated in other places. We'll see. Uh, like teaching is also found over in Philippians uh, or Ephesians 4.11. But remember again the last admonition that he, he says in this chapter um, or in chapter 12 when he gives the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 is that covet the best gifts. So it's okay to covet 
the things of God. It's okay to do that. And, but he speaks to the attitude about how you're supposed to use these gifts. He even talks about attitude in front of this, does he not? It's not to think of ourselves more highly than what we ought to think. He talks about a humble approach to this, that, that whatever God has given us, it's, it's not ours, it's his. It's not my gift, it's his gift that he works through me so that all the gifts belong to him. He gives them to us to use and be used for his glory. They don't have the same function. They're all connected to each other. We belong to each other by the fact that we're attached to each other in the body of Christ. Um, what follows in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, after the gifting list in chapter 12, is how do we use the gifts? We use them through love, right? I'll show you a more excellent way. But I want you to look at verse 9 in Romans 12 before we uh, touch on 1 Corinthians 12. All right, here's how these gifts are supposed to work. Watch this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be grateful, be careful rather, to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. These are all mostly attitudinal issues, not gifting issues. And what he's saying is that here's your gifts, but they can be hijacked by a bad attitude. You won't find criticizing as one of the gifts of the Spirit. You won't find whining and complaining as gifts of the Spirit. They're, they're gifts of a Spirit, but not the Holy Spirit. I used to tell Jason Kelly at times, y'all sound like the children of Israel. <laughs> Murmuring and complaining. <laughs> we eat the same stuff again. Yeah, we got the children of Israel in our house right now. <laughs> they didn't like that too much, but um, let me take you to 1 Corinthians 12 because there's a different list of gifts and this is where most people think of the gifts of the Spirit. Um, but we just read the giftings in Romans 12. Um, and I'm going to get to something in a little bit about what should we be doing about all of this. Now, we can, we can do a, a spiritual gift inventory um, in a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, and if you want to. If how many have never did a spiritual gift assessment? You never did a spiritual gift? Anybody else never did a spiritual gift assessment? Okay. 
where you go through and check things and it has a number value and when you add it all up. Can so everybody else says did a spiritual gift in the Lord? What what's your gifts? You don't remember? Giving is one of them. Giving? Encourager? Anyone else? Gifting? You don't remember? I can tell you, I can tell you Brenda is like out of the ballpark high on one thing. Now she's got high, she has a high score on other thing. But, and when the first time we did this, I said, I knew it. <laughs> Discernment of spirit. Distinguishing. And, I mean, she wasn't going there trying to find, hey, I think I got discerned. She didn't even know. And, but when I saw it, I said, that explains it. That explains it. Because there's times she said, I don't feel good about that. And I think you need to watch that person. I don't think you need to hire that youth pastor. I have, I have a sense. And this was when I was in Jackson. And the guy was so talented, I hired him anyway. And about a year later, I was apologizing to her. <laughs> like, you were right. You were right. There was more to him than just his natural talent. You know, there was character flaws, serious character flaws. And, and, of course, she would look at me like, I told you. I told you so. So I said, you're right. You're right. I was analyzing, like, in my gifting, you know, and your gifting was you just trying to, God just speaks to her. God just speaks to her. And she doesn't mind telling me, I don't feel good about that. I, 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 think, we ought to, I think we ought to watch that. I think you ought to watch that. I think you ought to have your guard up. And, and it all made sense. She is off the chart, discerning of spirits. So she can tell you what her gifting is because it was like, wow, I didn't know that. But she walked in it. She didn't even know she was walking in it. So if you, maybe we need to do it since so many maybe have forgotten what your gifting is. So we can kind of, I, I know mine, mine is teaching. My highest one is teaching. And uh, pastor. So it just, you know. And not accounting, pastoring. Um, so in, in 1 Corinthians 12, he said there's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. And watch how much some of the language that Paul uses in Romans 12, you, just, you see some of the glimpses of it in this. He says there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one... The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, a word of wisdom. And King James, another message of knowledge, word of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit. Another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. That's discerning of spirits that Brenda scores really high in, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. These are, these are gifts for the operation within the church, within the body. When you say the gift of uh, speaking in different kinds of tongues, this is to give a message in tongues and the gift behind that should be the interpretation of that message. This is not the resulting effect of being immersed in the Spirit where Paul said, I pray in the Spirit all the time, I sing in the Spirit all the time, but in the church, 
He said, that's different. In the church, that's different. He said, personally and privately, he said, I walk in that all the time. More, he said, more than anybody I know. And he wasn't bragging. He was just saying, this is where I live. I live in the flow of, of the Spirit. It says, all these work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as the Spirit determines. So these are not our gifts. The Holy Spirit initiates these gifts out of his wisdom, out of his counsel. We don't own them. They're not, we don't possess them. If anything, they should possess us. Are you following me? Maybe we're splitting hairs here, but I think sometimes we, well, I have five gifts. Okay. But look at uh, verse 24. I'm picking this up right in the middle of verse 24, 1 Corinthians 12. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So God puts us together the way he wants us. He puts the church together so that there should be no division in the body, no division in the church, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Again, I think he's talking about the attitude that we have toward each other, that we're concerned. And in, in chapter 14, we're going to read what, what's the resulting effect of all of this. What, what can we kind of look forward to as the effect of us, first of all, being really zealous about our gift, gifting, really zealous about it, walking in it, I mean, passionately walking in it, how does that look when the church is walking and living like that? I think it'd be, I think we would be amazed as we get more into that, how that makes the whole body healthier and more alive and more vibrant than us getting into titles and functions and positions. You know, those are formal things. We're talking about the, the active life of the Spirit through the people of God who has giftings that God has put in our lives through the Holy Spirit that he wants us to walk in. What's the effect that we have on each other? Um, let me pick it up in the middle part of verse 24. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, if one person suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. should not be any jealousy or envy within the body. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. The King James says covet the greater gifts. Covet earnestly the best gifts. And he says, yet I show you the more excellent way and that's the introduction, actually, into 1 Corinthians 13, where he, he talks about love, and, and he really compares love to if you have a particular gift, if you can speak in, the tongue, in, in languages of angels and men, 
And he says, and have not love, you're just making noise. So he's saying to us that all the gifting that you have, we can nullify it by having the bad attitude, having the wrong attitude. The most excellent way, of course, is love expressed in chapter 13. And, and what's the desired outcome when we do this? You have to go to 1 Corinthians 14, and it's in verse 3. Three words should be the resulting effect. Strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. This is the result. It follows after people who walk in prophetic utterance. But this is the result. These are the results of walking in the Spirit. King James says edification, exhortation, and comfort. So all of us have a gifting from the Lord according to His grace. And those giftings is to strengthen us, to encourage each other, and to comfort. I was talking to someone today, had prayer with uh, this particular person on the phone because they've been in a bad way for a long time and, and um, everybody knows it but them. And it's not my place to tell this person that it's been a long time since I talked to him. And uh, it, in fact, if I, if I knew the phone, <laughs> I'll just confess you, if I knew that that ID on the phone uh, was different than you know, if, if it had the real identity of the person talking for I would not have answered it. It's just like I, I just can't deal with somebody taking minutes and minutes criticizing people. So I was like, I answered, and I thought, oh, man, what have I done? But after listening, I just felt like that God wanted me to take that call so I could pray with this person and ask God to bring help to, to not bring any kind of correction or instruction, I really feel like the Lord said, encourage her. Encourage this person. Because they're alone. They're, they're uh, out of, they live in another state. But their life is in shambles. And it, you know, isn't that what we're supposed to do when somebody hurts or aren't we supposed to hurt with them? And sometimes we don't want to deal with it because like, wow, there's just, I feel exhausted after talking to them. But God just kind of flipped the switch in me. He says, you, you encourage her. Before this phone call is over, you encourage her. And I prayed over and she was very receptive to ministry. And, and I've been praying for this particular person for a long time because knowing her family situation, it's a family situation, is horrendous. And I, I know other members of the family that I've talked to recently and just... It's a heartbreaking thing to see families divided. It really is. And, and if we walk by our emotions, we're going to, you know, thank God that I, I answered the phone because I, I would not have answered the phone if I saw the real identity. I'm sorry, that's maybe the carnal side of me. Like, man, I don't want to listen to that again. And, uh, but what, is the, what does the Lord want to do through us? Let me tell you something. You and I do not have to try to be in the flesh. We don't have to, we don't have to try to have a bad attitude. It just jumps on us. <laughs> or it's just kind of like, it's natural, right? It's natural to get in the flesh. 
and get upset and be mad about something and fuss and complain about anything. Line is too long, taking too long for the doctor to get me back there. It's like, I thought this was fast food. <laughs> you know, we, and if we're not careful, what, what is that? That's us not wanting to put out any effort beyond what we're having to do. Right? And maybe my mother was a, just a complete optimist. If we were late for something, she'd tell my daddy, well, maybe the Lord is keeping us from an accident. So maybe we ought to just thank the Lord that we're running late. And my dad thought that late tardiness was like the eighth deadly sin that should have been mentioned <laughs> in Proverbs. You know, but, but she felt that way. She says, if something happens, maybe, maybe God is wanting to show us something and speak to us. And some of that has rubbed off on me. You know, I, I'm, I'm really probably need more patience, but when God begins to show me, he says, you, you encourage this person. They don't need somebody else to point out what's going wrong. They need some hope. And, and I just, how does that happen? How does, how does God make that happen? I think it, it happens when we maybe start our day saying, Lord, what do you want from me today? What, what do you want? I know you want my praise. I know you want my adoration. I know you want fellowship with me. You want to, me to spend time with you. And you want me to, and you want to spend time with me. And I think when we kind of aware of that, certain things happen through the course of the day and we'll say, this, God wants me to handle it this way. Really? He can do that? I'm telling you, it's a lot better than complaining. It's a lot better than pointing out other people's mistakes. Does God want us to speak the truth in love? Yes, he, he, you know, sometimes we have to have tough love, but it ought to be love. It's kind of like what Coach Saban, I heard him say about, you know, how do you discipline football players? He says, tough love, but love has to be in front of tough. He said, love has to come before tough. They have to know that you love them and that you care about what direction they're going in their life and the decisions that you make in whatever discipline, that they know that it's not based out of being punished and punitive. It's because you want them to learn and grow and become a stronger person. And that not that attitude? Isn't that kind of founded within attitude? How our attitude is? Uh, way, way back, there was a big debate over whether Christians could be demon-possessed. And then there was a lot of out there charismatic teachers Casting demons out of Christians. You know, they even brought paper bags and for them to, if they got nauseous, they could throw the demon up. I mean, it was really freaky stuff. But, uh, you know, in the debate, I remember someone who was kind of like middle of the road saying, well, a Christian can't have a demon. He says, a Christian can have whatever they want to. <laughs> and a Christian can have a bad spirit. You know, I remember telling Jason one time, whipping didn't, didn't help the kid. It was worse. 
So I, I stopped whipping. About eight years of age, I said, this is, this is not working. But one day he was acting up, and I was trying to talk to him, and he was like, okay. And I said, I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus right now. And he kind of stopped and said, I don't like you saying that. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't like you doing that. That's a bad spirit, and I'm going to rebuke that spirit. Well, that, that made me feel bad. I said, well, that might be good. You know, it's like, I think he'd rather, well, could you just whip me? <laughs> could you just spank me? Don't, don't rebuke that spirit. You know, he didn't know, he didn't know, I, 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 that's the first time I ever did it, and he didn't like it. And I says, I found something, you know. <laughs> I found something. You want me to rebuke that spirit? Goes, no, that's all right. That's all. But I, I, I think people can have a bad spirit. You can be a Christian. You can have a bad spirit. You can have a bad attitude. I've had a bad attitude. You, it's, it's sometimes real easy. <laughs> it's just like natural to get upset about something, want to say something, want to want to respond to something, and yet God, I think, sometimes is saying, is that what I want? Is that really what I want? Can you say in doing what you're doing and saying what you're saying that God really wants you to do this? And if you can get caught in mid-sentence, it's good to stop right there. Because the more you go down that road, the more, the more damage you're doing. And I just believe, if you look at those three words, strength and encourage and comfort, that that's how God wants the outcome of our day. He wants us to be stronger. He wants us to be encouraged. And he wants us to have a greater sense of security and peace. He, I don't think he wants us in disruption and conflict. But does it come? Does life bring conflict? Sure it does. So how do we handle it? How do we handle the tough places? If, if we step outside of how we want to respond to it and say, God, what do you want me to do? Just stop right now. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to handle this? I believe he will speak to us. And I believe he will help us. Here's one I want to encourage you tonight, and uh, I'm really excited because Brad and Lacey, this is their first service out in Kaleo, and uh, he's been out there. That's the, that's the most decluttered I've seen that building yet. Even the counters over there near the sink, it was all cleared. So I was like, yeah, you're winning points, buddy. But uh, I want us to pray for them that God would just give them favor with young people. I believe they, are, they will disciple young people, help them to grow in, in how they live for the Lord. But would you, would you do, do something for yourself tonight? When he, when he said, um, covet earnestly the best gifts, um, it's zelao. And it's the word to have great zeal, passion, to be passionately pursuing the best gifts. Not that, Lord, it's okay with me if you give me a gift. That's not passion. To say it's okay, but Lord, I want everything that you have. And if you can just make a note in your own mind and in your own heart tonight, I want to go after God with as great a passion as I've ever. And I want to know what he has for me. 
I want to experience everything he has for me. I want him to overwhelm me with his spirit, with his power, with his presence. I want him to take me apart and reassemble me if that's what it takes for him to use me the way he wants to use me and not the way I want to be used. That I, if I can give myself totally to him and say, Lord, every encounter I have, I want you to be in charge of it. I want you to simply use me to speak to that person as though you were talking to them. That I will respond to them the way you want them to be responded to. And I believe we'll see some things from God's hand that will be utterly amazing. Would you stand with me?